two more. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Generation Elect. And this episode might be the most packed episode in our podcast's history. As I hope our listeners know, last Tuesday was Super Tuesday, in which 14 states had their presidential primary. And it gave us a clear indication on how this is going to go. Many candidates also dropped out of the race as well, leaving the field with just with two candidates and Tulsi Gabbard. We'll talk about those races, who has the edge between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, and what to expect next in this turbulent primary. I'm joined today by a great panel to decipher all of this, starting as usual with my co-host, Griffin Ryder. How's it been going, Griffin? Oh, it's been a very nice week, actually. Uh, how has your week been? It's been great as always. Also joining us as usual now is Jack Newell. Hey, Jack. How's it going, Henry? Great, thank you. And finally, we have a new voice on this podcast, Eliza Cotton. Thanks for coming on, Eliza. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. It's good to hear. So let's get to it. Last Tuesday was a momentous day in the race with the states of Alabama, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Texas, Tennessee, Utah, Vermont, and Virginia, all selecting who they want to take on Donald Trump. It soon became a two-horse race between Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Bernie Sanders, and 10 out of those 14 states picked Biden. So, Griffin, what are your overall thoughts on what happened Tuesday? I would say it was uh, fairly disappointing for Bernie Sanders because I knew that he was going to win California. Um, I knew he was going to win Utah and Colorado. Vermont, there was never any doubt there. But some states that are not in the South that he could have won, such as Minnesota uh, and Maine, he lost narrowly to Joe Biden, which is very disappointing considering he won both two states as caucuses in a landslide in 2016. Also, Oklahoma, which he won in 2016 by a wide margin over Hillary Clinton, he lost to Biden. Um, however, he did come close in Texas. It wasn't um, he, he didn't win Texas, which many polls showed him uh, to be able to win. So uh, fairly disappointing for Sanders. Very good for Biden, especially coming off South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, as you said, Bernie won Michigan in 2016. He won Minnesota in 2016 and he won Oklahoma in 2016 and Maine. And he lost all of them to Biden on Tuesday. Not Michigan. I mean, yeah, M- not Michigan. Michigan, Michigan is Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. This coming oh, sorry. Tuesday. But, um, yeah, there were a lot of states that Bernie won four years ago that he failed to win this year. Um, I mean, Eliza, how do you think this happened? Do you think that Bernie voters switched to another candidate this time around? I don't know if it was like Bernie voters switching to another candidate or people were just like vote deciding like a lot of it was people that didn't um, that were deciding last minute. And so maybe they didn't like Hillary and went for Bernie. But this time around, we're like, no, like we really need to beat Trump. And so I, I want to vote for Biden because I perceive him as the being moderate. more yeah. electable. Yeah. And you look at the late decision voters, they went disproportionately to Joe Biden, mm-hmm. which was yeah. interesting. I mean, Jack, what do you think about this sudden surge for Joe Biden? How big is this I, for him? I mean, I think it's I think it's really big. I mean, one of the bigger criticisms of Biden was that uh, according to some people, he didn't have a passionate support. Uh, but I think this showed that he, he can have a passionate support. He had a great win in South Carolina. He had some key endorsements from Beto O'Rourke, uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar, and uh, Pete Buttigieg. And that propelled him to victory in, in many of these states. And it's a particularly impressive because, you know, a lot of these states, he didn't have a grassroots organization there. He didn't spend money on ads there. 
and he still won big. And I think that's one of the most important takeaways from this. Yeah, I mean, would you say that it was all kickstarted by the big influential endorsement of Jim Clyburn, the congressman? Yeah, I think it would, because that, that's what helped propel him to victory in South Carolina, uh, which led to more things down the road. No, I mean, South Carolina, he needed that. He won by a huge margin in South Carolina, and that's really been the comeback. I mean, Griffin, how do you think he has been able to come back since finishing fifth in New Hampshire? It's been quite a turnaround. Well, first off, there was Nevada. Now, Nevada, it wasn't a very good result for anyone besides Bernie Sanders because, sure, Biden came in second in Nevada. However, it wasn't a close second. Sanders won Nevada in a cakewalk. Uh, South Carolina, it really came down to endorsements amongst South Carolinian politicians, many of whom went to Biden, including Jim Clyburn, who is like a political legacy in the, that state. He's, Jim Clyburn has been in South Carolina. He's been in Congress since uh, Clinton has been president. Wow. So like Cly, Clyburn's had some time in Congress, and he is very well known. Um, also, there was very divided opposition. Um, there was Sanders, Steyer, Buttigieg, Warren. Remember, all of them were still running uh, at the time of the South Carolina primary. So a lot of the moderates split the vote. Now, I think the only thing that could be concerning for Biden was that he got less than a majority in South Carolina, but yeah, he still won the landslide. So you're talking about uh, splitting the vote, you know, uh, how to, all those other candidates uh, split the vote in South Carolina, which mm-hmm. hurt Bernie. Um, Warren was still in the race on Tuesday, and yep. Bernie didn't do too well on Super Tuesday. Eliza, do you think, what do you make of the argument that Warren's presence didn't help Bernie and actually hurt him. I I tend to um, not like any argument that places the blame for Bernie not performing as well as he want to on Elizabeth Warren, especially you know as that um, you know be cognizant of the fact that she is a woman and misogyny is um, still rampant. But yeah, I think that like. You know, people debate, oh, like, well, will Warren, will Warren supporters go to Bernie or Biden? And I don't, I don't, I don't know if I buy, I don't know if I buy, like, oh, Warren was splitting the, the progressive the progressive vote because. Yeah. A new, I, yeah. Yeah. A new poll from Reuters today came out saying that 47% of Warren supporters would go for um, Bernie and 46 would go for Biden. So Ooh. I think. That, that. that really got me thinking there. I mean, Jack, the Warren vote, which comes from a very different demographic than the Bernie vote. The, Ver- the Bernie vote mm-hmm. is all about, you know, college kids, uh, people of color. It's it's really just it, well, he, has, he has a Latino demographic that he's really strong in with African-Americans. But it's mostly Chinese. young people who are yeah, either in that. college or, you know, and Warren is more from. She's better in the Midwest. She's more from older, wider college educated people. Yeah. Um, you know, just what do you make about uh, the fact that a lot of Warren voters could switch to Biden now? Well, I think I think it makes sense in some ways. Uh, you know, uh, over the past couple of weeks, Warren has been shifting our campaign a little bit more uh, towards the centrist side where Biden is. And I think part of that was in hopes of being uh, his potential running mate, which I think is still a possibility. But I, I definitely think, you know, at the start of this race, I was more convinced that uh, all of Warren's supporters would go to Bernie, but I've, I've been pleasantly surprised, and that's really encouraging. No, it really is that Warren... I think Warren realized that 
she wasn't going to win that progressive lane because the 2016 holdover yeah. from Bernie Sanders is still so strong there. But, I mean, Griffin, the 2016 base was so strong for Bernie Sanders, and the 2020 base is looking very similar. Does he need to expand that coalition to win this nomination? Well, yes, because last time around, he only got about 43% of the vote, which is far from a majority, and Hillary Clinton got 56%. Now, granted, there are some other candidates besides Sanders and Biden that do have delegates, uh, although they're all dropped out. Actually, Gabbard has one delegate. So oh, yeah. Surprise, surprise. That's the asterisk. But, and, but, but anyhow, with um, Sanders really needs to win some of the states that he didn't win last time. Because next week is Michigan, which is the biggest state. He won it last time um, in a huge upset. Uh, there's also Missouri, which he barely lost in 2016, if I remember correctly. Mississippi, which is... Yeah, no point in campaigning there. Mississippi is default for Biden. Definitely. Um, then there's North Dakota, which is a caucus. Is this all so, next Tuesday? Um, yeah, next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. Um, North Dakota, the caucus, which probably should go for Bernie. And then uh, Washington State, which he won he did. handily last time. So, so is there still he, a path for Bernie, in your opinion? Yes, although it's far more narrow given his performance on Super Tuesday. I mean, yeah. Eliza, what do you think Bernie has to do to... I mean, this race has tilted so much back and forth. Three weeks ago, we were saying the same about Biden. What does Bernie need to do to be on the up again? Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, a win in in Michigan would be good for him. Um, And, you know, people have been talking about, oh, does he need to, uh, um, like, expand expand his, his coalition? And, yeah, I think that I mean that's that's only going to help him. I don't know if he'll do it. I don't I don't know if that fits with um his persona, his, yeah. his political rhetoric, but I think it's also like he was he and his team were a little disappointed with the the youth turnout um on Super mm-hmm. Tuesday. Something that Bernie has, you know, really trumpeted his his ability to get the youth out there to vote. So I think that his organization, I mean they always are, but even more so, it's probably focused on getting the, the youth to turn out. For yeah, him. I mean, one positive thing I can say about Bernie, like you see it even in our own school, like kids who were never interested in politics before are now suddenly, you know, involved and have opinions on issues because of Bernie Sanders. And I think his appeal to youth voters is definitely a strength. But um, I mean, Jack, how does Bernie uh, come back to it? Was it is his demise due to... Is his demise out of his control? Was it due to the endorsements or was it self-harm partially? I think I think it's a variety of factors, right? Yeah. Because the moderate lane of the party really consolidated and they're totally on uh, Joe Biden now. Right. And at it's this point, Biden. Warren has gone out of the race. And, you know, the, the progressive party, the progressive side of the party only has one hidden now. And that's Bernie Sanders. But the issue with Sanders is that I really don't believe he can build on his coalition because he simply just doesn't seem to want to. Uh, in an interview, he talked about how he didn't even seek out um, Clyburn's endorsement, uh, which is largely credited with uh, Biden's landslide win. He has failed to appeal to most African-American voters. And as Eliza touched on, um, you know, he, he prides himself on his youth turnout. But in North Carolina, for example, it was down nine percent. 
Uh, and according to most estimates, it was Super Tuesday was equal or uh, on par with 2012 Super Tuesday. So Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you that Bernie's base is, uh, he's not actively trying to grow it. I think that he sent out a tweet a couple of weeks ago that says, uh, the Republican establishment can't stop us. The Democratic establishment can't stop us. And that made a lot of people angry, which was interesting because, <laughs> yes, you know, I don't, the, a candidate who could be the presumptive nominee, it's not good to anger a huge section of your, of your party. But what I think would be good for Bernie is if now that Warren's out, if Ayanna Presley does a big speech, big endorsement for Bernie now, because I think that they align politically and she's a popular figure, you know, in the house, she's part of the squad. So that, that would be really good. Um, Griffin, what do you think uh, will happen in a one-on-one -on -one debate between Biden and Bernie? Is anything going to change? Um, I feel like it's going to be a typical back and forth, especially on health care. Uh, Sanders is also going to emphasize some stuff from Biden's past that is a bit harmful, like the war in Iraq, uh, bankruptcy bill. Um, maybe, he might even pull like the Kamala Harris strategy of attacking his previous stance on busing. And Bernie's going to try to go after his consistency. Biden will try to emphasize as the candidate that'll get stuff done. But also to add on to Jack's earlier point about youth turnout, one thing I was very surprised to see is in Virginia, a state, I don't really think Sanders was going to win in the first place, but one thing about Virginia is they have a lot of colleges. Now, in particular, there's this one city, I was, in, I was there not too long ago, um, Lexington, Virginia, for college visit. They have two, town, uh, they have two colleges in that town. Uh, they have VMI and they have Washington and Lee and it, it's a college town and also not far away is Blacksburg, uh, which is home to Virginia Tech. So you have two college towns over in the Appalachian Mountains. Both went to Biden, not for Sanders, which really, wow. uh, which is really interesting to see because wouldn't you expect them to go to Sanders? So, yeah, I think that is interesting. And Sanders is popular among college kids. You were talking about healthcare in the debate and how it's going to become an, an issue of emphasis. Um, Eliza, I was reading today, you, I don't know if you've heard this, but the, um, the, the big study showed that um, Bernie Sanders Medicare for All could have a decent chance of increasing wages and creating new jobs. Is Sanders has had a hard time selling Medicare for All. I think the public option is what a lot of Democrats want. But do you think Bernie can make this a huge issue and show that Medicare for All works in the next debate? I mean, I think that he's absolutely going to, and I think that you, definitely, definitely it's important for him to um, talk about that study if he wants to, um, you know, make it uh, more favorable in certain people's view, because I think that is, like, the main concern. People are like, oh, but, like, what's going to happen to all those, like, jobs and private health insurance? So, yeah, yeah like, talking about... Um, that and how um medicare for all is not it's not getting rid of um, jobs and it's yeah i think my main that that reservation strategy. last week to medicare for all was someone showed a report that said it could eliminate 1.8 million jobs but i mean if this report is true then i think it's definitely worth having that conversation um jack what do you think the dynamics going to be like in a biden versus bernie debate it, you know i think that'll be be interesting because last uh debate performance biden had his best uh we've seen yet. And Bernie actually faced opposition for the first time we've seen in a debate. And, right. you know, I thought uh, 
Biden did well. I thought Bernie, you know, generally does pretty well in these debates. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Biden certainly has the momentum. Uh, and, you know, recently his speeches have uh, improved of late, uh, especially to lower uh, or smaller crowds of people, less high pressure scenarios when he can personally connect with people. But on the debate stage, I don't know how much uh, that will translate. Yeah, I think we can agree that Bernie is probably a better articulator and a better speaker than Joe Biden. I mean, Eliza, do you worry um, if Biden's the nominee, what he could be like in a debate against Trump? I mean, yeah, a bit, a bit. But, you know, I think that he just has to he has to have the right training and he has to stay on message. And I've I've heard that something that that he he tends to you know, struggle with sometimes is like how to how to deliver that um, yeah message message that his 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 people are telling him to do, and yeah, I think that's important that he. I think you messed up like the preamble of the Constitution last week or something. Like we hold these truths to be self evident, and he kind of forgot the rest. So or, oh no, or yeah, he said we hold these truths to be self evident that all men and women are created. You know the word equal. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's a work in progress. I think he's gotten better since he was, you know, held absolutely speechless by Kamala Harris in the first debate. But it's just all mm-hmm. about, you know, presenting himself well, letting the voters know his message. Bernie has a stronger message than Biden. It doesn't matter whether you agree with it or not. But Bernie, Bernie has had the same message for the last forty years, while Biden doesn't have key issues to hit on so i don't mm-hmm. a debate is going to be interesting i think biden's gonna to have to change more than bernie will in that scenario but yeah we'll see i think the next debate's next week or two or march 15th so pretty soon yeah but um yeah jack let's talk uh mike bloomberg who was in the race on super tuesday uh how much of a disaster was this for bloomberg i mean i think we we talked about the winners of super tuesday but the real winner was uh mike bloomberg who won american samoa <laughs> But uh, right. her former candidate, uh, Michael Bloomberg. And I, I think uh, he, there just wasn't really a place for him in this party, I thought. I, I, I don't think, I think Biden already occupied his lane. And I think he was, him being a billionaire, first of all, was, you know, uh, right off the bat, uh, negative against him for many in the party. Uh, and then I think his past record on stop and frisk was certainly, and his, con- and uh, allegations that he was inappropriate to women certainly hurt his campaign. And I think, I mean, lo- a lot of that is credit to Warren because her debate performance against Bloomberg and really every candidate on that Crazy. stage was yeah. insane. And she made some good points about how, uh, you know, some of these attacks that, you know, we should criticize Trump for uh, can equally be applied to Bloomberg. Yeah. Uh, Griffin Bloomberg endorsed uh, Joe Biden I mean, almost immediately after he dropped out. Um, I would say this endorsement is less impactful than people to judge because Bloomberg never had that same core base. Do you think Bloomberg's endorsement of Joe Biden has impact on the race? Well, I think it does in that the people who endorse Bloomberg are starting to endorse Biden. Uh, if you look at 538, they have like this page that has all the endorsements, yeah. uh, meaningful endorsements, mind you. And you'll actually find that before Mike Bloomberg dropped out, he actually had a large number of endorsements, including I think the governor of Rhode Island even endorsed him. He he was popular with a lot of Democratic Party politicians, and 
Now, with Bloomberg out of the race and backing Joe Biden, a lot of those politicians who formerly backed Bloomberg are now flocking over to Biden, which could be very important in several of the key upcoming states. And I think just a quick, quick point here, uh, Henry, I, I definitely think the actual, you know, endorsement of Biden from Bloomberg is less impactful. But the money that Bloomberg could potentially bring to the Biden campaign is definitely possibly. Uh, so oh, yeah. that's exactly what I was going to segue to right after this. Um, in 2010, Citizens United, which I rate as one of my most disastrous Supreme Court cases right after Plessy, Behind- Plessy versus Ferguson. <laughs> and, uh, what about Dred Scott? Dred, Dred Scott that was, was pretty also- <laughs> but, yeah. uh, Citizen Dred Scott. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say like Dred Scott and Plessy v. Ferguson, they're always top two. And then Citizens United. So what Citizens yeah. United yep. did was it established that no one has a limit on how much someone can donate to a political campaign. And um, Bloomberg looks like he could be creating a super PAC that would uh, pump money into Joe Biden's campaign if he wins the nomination. He hasn't fired his campaign staffers. He's going yep. to put a lot of his billions into Biden's campaign um eliza is this good or bad for the democrats like ideologically like yeah so i mean ideologically it's it's a tough thing because you know you have candidates like uh, bernie and formerly warren who like are are saying no billionaire money like we're not going to take super PAC money although obviously like some some organizations that they are partners with, um, like, are PACs. Um, but I think that it's, I think it's good for the Democrats to have money. I think that it's good for them to be able to spend money on things like ads. I was reading an article saying, um, arguing that although Bloomberg won, some, what did he win, four delegates in American Samoa, something yeah. like that, it was still, it was still a, a successful um, experiment on what what a campaign can do with unlimited resources and what's effective in garnering media attention and using right. advertising and stuff like that. So I think that it's good to um, Bloomberg has already said he's going to put his money behind whoever wins or wins the nomination. And I think it's it's always good to have resources. Yeah, I mean, part of our identity, like, is like we are the party of the people. Like, you know, ordinary people can donate to us. Our tent is big. While we view the Republicans as the part, the elitist party. But like, Jack, is it worth throwing a bit of that identity in the bin if it lets us beat Donald Trump? Uh, I think at this point we we should uh, Biden should accept the money from Bloomberg, and it's not really like yeah necessarily as a choice. Uh, uh, I think Bloomberg will definitely run attack ads against Trump and potentially uh, in support of Biden. And I think that's generally a good thing right now. Yeah. Be the Rupert Murdoch of the left. No, don't be that. Um, so, <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. So uh, we've talked about Bernie. We've talked about Biden. We've talked about Bloomberg. Um, let's talk about Elizabeth Warren. So Griffin, um, Warren was the front runner for a bit in August and September. At a point, I was confident that she would win the nomination. How did this just all spiral down for her? Well, I'm going to be honest. I never really thought Elizabeth Warren would become the nominee, even in that brief period around October. Was it October? Yeah. She, yeah. When she became temporary frontrunner, I still didn't really think that she was actually going to win the nomination. I thought Biden would just eventually overtake her, which 
Well, in polling, he did. Because Warren, after, I'd say that October debate with 12 candidates, uh, she didn't really do too well in that one. She got a, a bunch of attacks from other candidates. I think that was probably the beginning of the end. Um, she just was out of step with um, Bernie Sanders. Uh, a bunch of Bernie supporters do not like Elizabeth Warren. Um, they feel like there are differences. There were there were differences, but also Warren was attracting progressives. Um, that January debate uh, in Iowa, where um, where Warren where Warren and Bernie had like that little exchange right after the debate. Oh, right. The debate. I think it was really the nail in the coffin for Elizabeth Warren. To Warren. Um, and then her performance in New Hampshire really sealed her fate. She wasn't going anywhere from there. No, I honestly. I mean, I just look at the situation and think it's sad that we want a woman president for the next four, possibly eight years. And they're all they're the and in 2016, so many people, Democrats were like, I'm fine with a woman candidate, just not Hillary Clinton. And now there's a perfect qualified woman candidate who's ready to step into the office and she gets so much negative attention and negative support. I mean, I think a lot of it was I think there was a decent amount of misogyny that she faced, but a lot of it was fear of misogyny. If she got the nomination, a lot of Democrats were worried that there would be. You know, stupid sexist remarks given to her. Um, I mean, Eliza, what do you think about that whole thing? Do you think she uh, experienced sexism on the campaign? Well, yeah, I I absolutely think that that she experienced a lot of sexism, and I don't know. I just think about like healthcare spending and like talking about Medicare for all, and everybody was like, "How are you going to pay for it? How are you going to pay for it?" And so she like yeah. waited to debates, and she like couldn't. She wasn't provided an answer, but then she produced one and like had a very detailed answer and like was like you can actually go to my website and like put in your healthcare spending costs and get how much you're going to pay and nobody focused on it anymore and yet like bernie never he's still like having to answer yeah. for how much are you mm-hmm. gonna pay for it and you know i think it's i think it's really disappointing and also to your point about like the fear of misogyny and and like People are like, I'm fine with a woman candidate, but I don't know if, um, like, so like, support, like, example of a swing voter is gonna like be okay with it, and I think that that is a lot of it is people are are manufacturing that, and and there have been I don't have a specific poll, but there have been polls that show that, and people are more willing to vote for women than they are to vote for a democratic socialist, of which Bernie Sanders. Um, definitely is yeah does, he, yeah he he has self-identified i mean you saw that. in 20s yeah and what were you yeah. saying oh yeah i was just gonna say that like as 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 a person who identifies with a lot of the more progressive um policy stances in in the democratic party including a lot of bernie sanders i just think that like elizabeth warren would have been a more a, a person that is more able to get those policies I think she's smarter, just like, you know, on a level of like, um, you know, how able are you to analyze these policies and pass them at a legislative standpoint? But like, we can broaden this issue to like, even 2016, when Hillary Clinton had pneumonia for a week, and everybody was questioning her, and it was it became the biggest story. And then Bernie Sanders had a heart attack, and nothing really happened. So I mean, Jack, what do you think about this whole thing? Uh, Yeah, so uh, I, 
don't necessarily ideologi- ideologically agree with a lot of uh, we know you're a moderate, yeah. But uh, I always respected her. I think she's very intelligent. Uh, if it was uh, an option, I would definitely have her as a potential running mate for Joe Biden. Uh, and yeah, I, I do think there's a, a larger issue of uh, sexism and, and how it played into this race. I, I do think, uh, you know. Warren needed to improve her base of support. And as she talked about, you know, she kind of had to choose uh, her. She didn't have a good lane to run in because Bernie Sanders really occupied that progressive wing while uh, Joe Biden was more moderate. And, you know, she tried at the end of her campaign to thread the needle and go towards the between those two. And and it just didn't work out. Yeah. I mean, Griffin, what do you think is the path forward for you know, a woman candidate in a presidential primary, because all of them just fizzled out. They had their moments, but they fizzled out. And it just inevitably came down to the two standard Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. So like, is can Kamala, in your opinion, do you think Kamala or Elizabeth Warren should run again when there's, when there's a primary next? Or have they all shot their shot? I would say Kamala Harris probably stands a better shot. Now, let's say like Sanders, well, it, Regardless of, like, if Biden or Sanders win the presidency and decide to serve just one term, uh, and let's say 2024 is open, I would say Kamala has a better shot because she's more youthful, and also she's kind of that in-between. I also feel that in the next few years, the moderate wing of the party, the Democratic Party, could weaken. Mm. Um, Now, that was seen... Well, in Texas, actually, there was this uh, congressional primary race where he had Henry Quillar. Oh, I was following this heavily. This, yeah. 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 Yes, yeah. Me too. Henry Quillar, who, uh, to our viewers who don't know, he's a very conservative uh, Hispanic Democrat from South Texas. He is pro life and pro gun. Yeah. 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 So he is very, and, he is like yeah. the most conservative Democrat in the United States House of Representatives, representing a very heavily Hispanic district around Laredo, uh, extending up to uh, San Antonio. It's a very oddly shaped district, but anyhow, um, he was facing this primary challenge from a 26-year-old immigration lawyer named Jessica Cisneros. And um, despite being uh, far, like, despite being kind of underfunded and, going against a very long-time Democrat incumbent, Cisneros came very close to unseating him, which is very impressive. And I think it's starting to show that the moderate, a lot of moderate Democrats and conservative Democrats, uh, they're starting to fade away. Yeah. Um, in the not-too-distant future is the Illinois primaries. Um, Lipinski, who's from West Chicago, who is a pro-life, um, ultra conservative Democrat. He's facing a primary challenge from a uh, more progressive candidate who's been endorsed by Sanders and like a bunch of the other former presidential candidates. Uh, I don't really see Lipinski surviving um, this, the primary. So I think overall, the moderate wing of the Democratic Party is starting to lag. Yeah, Eliza, what, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, go ahead. On, yeah, because I think you have something to say. Oh, yes. Yeah, I just think that, like, you know, with these groups like Justice Democrats and Brand New Congress that are trying to 
um, get get new people um, into to office and people that are are not career politicians. I think that you know they're putting out a lot of candidates and they're they're not getting all of them through obviously but like people like AOC was was um, nominated for Justice Democrats um, by her brother that's how she became a congresswoman and yeah she was she started a group who who backed Jessica Cisneros but yeah I think it's really important that like yeah people keep challenging and I think that it's great that 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 race got so close and you know, I hope that she. I was cheering around all the way. She was great. I I did, I did a little bit oh, of awesome. making. Nice. I I wanted to, but it was so, like the day yeah. before the election. I'm like, yeah, I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what? She lost already? Yeah. So. Yeah, I think. Yeah, Jack. Uh, there's there's definitely uh, on both sides, uh, the Republican side and the Democratic side, uh, a shifting tendency to go toward the extremes of the party. We saw the Tea Party. Mm-hmm. I think we were talking about this uh, last night, Jack. The Tea yeah, Party. We yeah, we were. We were. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I think if I look at the potential, uh, you know, moderate candidates uh, that are kind of nationally known right now versus the potentially progressive candidates, I have more confidence in the likes of Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar. Yeah. And it's <clears throat> to be potential nationwide candidates. An issue of I see the progr- I I consider myself in between i'm definitely not a moderate but and i believe in a lot of progressive values but i'm not completely out there medicare for all green new deal i have reservations about that so the way i see it is that i think the progressive argument for me is just aim high aim the highest you can and settle like you know over ask so you can compromise where you want but i mean eliza Mm. you're more progressive than i am on the democratic wing what do you think like is the progressive viewpoint what like the what, oh, do you, like what do you mean by that just like yeah like i mean like yeah. um moderates have like reservations about all the big policies but are for progressives is it just like propose everything and get as much as you can in well i think that for a lot of progressives like you talk about the yeah. green new deal and, and medicare for all and a lot of the reason that progressives like propose all of these huge deals is because they recognize that a lot of these issues are interconnected like people people are trying to get get um okay so yeah so let's talk about like if someone is trying to get a job to in maybe they're working in a tech firm and they're like this tech firm is on the cutting edge of like the next solar technology that's going to be like really beneficial but if they don't have a place to like keep their like child during the day, like if they're if it's a single mom and she doesn't have a way to like care for her child, then she can't go to work. So like something like including universal childcare in the Green New Deal is like a way of saying like all these issues are connected together and like I think that that yeah. Is- that's a good a lot point, of actually. Point for, for, for many things come into play at once. But yeah, I mean, we've seen the moderate versus progressive debate happen so many times in this Democratic primary. It definitely feels so divided, like split in the middle. You can just tell who's moderate, who's progressive. But um, in the end, Griffin, uh, it seems to be moderate versus progressive for who will get the nomination plus Tulsi Gabbard. Um, but 
What is she? I have no <laughs> a Republican. Idea. Uh, a libertarian, maybe. I don't know. But um, yeah. Griffin, who... I mean, yeah. after Super Tuesday, it's Joe Biden has the edge, but this thing has uh, twisted and turned so many times. Who's going to win the nomination, Griffin, in your opinion, right now? Ooh. Very, very tough question. But I'll go with Biden. Yeah. But with reservations. What, what are your reservations? You think... Sanders can still win this? I think I'd actually say first would be um, the most likely outcome as of now would be a contested yeah. convention, although I'd say Biden is more likely than Sanders to get a majority of delegates. Right. Yeah. But if it's a contested convention, it's still probably uh, lies with Biden since the Democrats, the DNC, prefers yeah. Biden to Sanders, probably. Yep. Um, I mean, Jack, are you pretty confident that Biden's going to be the nominee? Uh, I'm not. I'm not confident, but I uh, am cautiously optimistic. Uh, I'm really hopeful with Biden as the nominee. You know, I uh, I saw him. You know, speaking after the Pete Buttigieg endorsement, and I thought this is what I want my president to be. And I, I I've kind of discussed this point a little bit before, but uh, to me, you know, Biden may not be the perfect quote candidate for the Democratic Party, but to me, he would be the best, easily the best president out of what we have. And I'm, I'm really hopeful that that uh, happens. Yeah, it seems like we're definitely headed toward a, a breaking point in the race. Um, Eliza, do you think that Biden has the edge or this thing is still up for grabs? I mean, I think that Biden currently has the edge with the momentum coming up Super Tuesday, but I think that it's definitely not, definitely not over for Bernie Sanders and there's still a, states to a go. big yeah. possibility that he could but, win. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, really interesting stuff. I think We've gone through all of this. Um, Griffin, you're our political news expert here. Um, any big, any yeah. small intricacies or anything that has happened in the last week that you want to bring up? Um, yes, yes, indeed. Um, let's just start over uh, down in the deep south over sure. in Alabama. Oh, I want to talk where, about this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, we all, we, all, we all remember Roy Moore. Yeah, right? unfortunately. Well... <laughs> He is uh, not going to be running against Doug Jones in Alabama come November. Uh, it will be either Tommy Tuberville or Jeff Sessions. Tommy Tuberville was um, a yeah, football yeah. coach. He's yeah, and Sessions, we all know what Sessions did. But, but the thing is, it's very interesting to see because Sessions, is, he, Sessions has been in politics for – the longest time he he was a senator for 20 years and then he was uh, attorney general for a time and he wants his seat back and but he has to go up against tuberville who is um former football coach who has never served a day in political office in his entire life so i think this is it's going to a runoff in you know i i actually don't know when the runoff is I, it might be over the summer wow. but yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see who wins. Uh, either way, I don't think Doug Jones uh, will survive um, 2020. I, yeah. I honestly think even like, uh, regardless of whether Sessions or Tuberville is nominated, I don't think Doug Jones can win on the same ballot as Donald Trump in Alabama. It's just very difficult. And uh, unfortunately... It, Democrats might have to triage. Um, they might have to give up his Senate seat and focus 
Well, they're already going to win Colorado. You're pretty confident about that? So, yeah, yeah, I'm very confident that Hickenlooper wins in Colorado. The the what the Democrats if the Democrats want the Senate, they might have to leave Alabama behind. So, uh, Arizona with yeah. Mark Kelly, Maine Maine with Sarah Gideon. Uh, Sarah Gideon is ahead in Maine now, ahead of Collins. Uh, North Carolina, where they just nominated Cal Cunningham, and um, so yeah, so we need no Texas? so to flip the Senate in 2020, we need to take four seats away from the Republicans, but um. It's probably going to be five because we're assuming that Doug Jones loses here in 2020, which looks incredibly yeah. likely. So those five seats could actually happen. Um, you got Scott, you got Color- Scott Kelly, who is yeah. um, Mark Kelly. Sorry, or Mark, Mark Kelly Mark, is yeah, absolutely Mark. dominating in Arizona. I'm pretty confident he's going to beat Martha McSally. Yeah. Hickenlooper, I I have no doubts that Hickenlooper will. So win there's Colorado. two right there, and then you got Sarah Gideon, hopefully beating Sarah Susan Gideon three. in Maine. You got Cal Huntingham. Um, uh, Hopefully four, meeting Tom Tillis. Yeah, four is Cal And then the fifth him. one is now, just announced today, uh, former presidential candidate. I know, Jack, you're a big fan of him. Steve yeah, Bullock, Steve Bullock oh, is going Bullock. to run in Montana. Yeah. So that's your five seats um, right also, there. Also, that, that's, uh, that's not the end of the list. Yeah, because Texas up for grabs. Texas, well, well, Texas, it, the Democratic primary is going to a runoff between Royce. I think it's Royce West, who's a state senator from Dallas, and MJ Hager, who ran for Congress couple years ago uh mj hager is probably going to be nominee in texas um but then if you look elsewhere you look at georgia is that up for now in georgia they have um well in georgia they have both senate seats up for grabs because one of their senators resigned um like you could have potentially if it's a very good night democrats can win um both senate seats over in georgia and also um, you might call me out on this one, but I don't think it's impossible. I think it's very possible, given the right circumstances, that Democrats win a Senate race in Kansas. Yeah, and let's not forget, Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell have strong challengers, so that would be... Yeah. yeah. I, although, I'm going to be honest, I think Kansas is probably a better opportunity for a Democratic pickup than South Carolina or Kentucky. It's it would just be my the greatest opinion. thing in my life if Mitch McConnell lost to Amy McGrath. Oh my goodness. Like, uh, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I'm feeling really confident now that we can get those seats back and take the Senate, but let's see what happens. I mean, losing uh, the presidency mm. and taking the Senate. I don't know how I feel about that, but and I'm worried we're spending too much time talking about the presidency and not time talking about the Senate where funds need to be diverted and race need to happen. Uh, Jack, you're going to say something. Yeah. Uh, and I think something to, uh, uh, think about is that you know uh, recently there's been a lot of uh, speculation about the places in potential administrations of uh, Democratic candidates for president who dropped out, including uh, Klobuchar, Warren, uh, and I think that obviously both of those would be very good in any administration, uh, but they're also both very important if we want to keep a majority in the Senate. Right. Uh, if we want to win it back next year. Uh, and I think that's something to keep in mind. And I mean, the most yeah. important uh, place yeah. in the administration is vice president. Eliza, who are you thinking about for a possible VP nomination? I don't have any names like crossed your mind. Like Stacey Abrams is up there. Yes. I was just going to say Stacey Abrams. Anybody um, from this race? Yeah. Think, or... Yeah. From the, from the presidential race? I mean, 
and possibly Cory Booker. Um, this is not not a presidential candidate, but oh, Andrew Gillum, yeah. who ran for governor in Florida in the midterms, twenty eighteen, could could be a possible pick for a Biden someone. Kamala ticket. Kamala, um, is, yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to mention as well. Yeah. Uh, a Sanders Warren ticket. I would, what about? Wouldn't like that. I think that's too. What about a? Uh, Tammy Duckworth. So she's um, in Wisconsin. Tammy Duckworth. Tammy. Or Illinois. Who's yeah. the one in Wisconsin? Or uh, okay. Tammy Baldwin. Tammy, sorry, Tammy Baldwin's in Wisconsin. Tammy Duckworth is in. Why not do Tammy, Tammy Baldwin Duckworth then? From Illinois. We need to win Wisconsin. Or, well, well, but yeah, but also Tammy Duckworth is from the Midwest. She's an Asian American woman, and she's also a veteran who lost both her oh. legs. And she is also uh, more moderate. Which I guess for Biden would be oh, Lord, a very good. Running I mean, name. yeah, but it's well, going to be really interesting no. to see. And um, yeah, I think we've covered all our talking points for today. I want to remind our listeners to uh, rate oh. and review our podcast on Apple. Oh. Um, Griffin, what were you going to say? Oh yeah, just like sure, one little sure. fun fact that I saw from uh, Super yeah. Tuesday results. Well, one of the Bushes was running that. for Congress in Texas. Now. Um, we all know of uh, Papa Bush, you mean George it, W. Oh, yeah, Jeb, yeah. Um, and there's also that one Bush who is Texas Land Commissioner, George P. Bush, uh, Jeb's son. Um, there was another Bush who is uh, son of one of the non-politician Bushes, so <clears throat> he's like the nephew of George and Jeb. Uh, his name was <clears throat> Pierce Bush. He was running for Congress in a Houston suburb, and he came in third. Not He's not good. making the runoff, so there will not be another Bush um, in Congress yeah. now. Also, uh, speaking of Texas, that seat is vulnerable to fall to Democrats. I think this year a lot of Democrats can win stuff. competitive yeah. House races in Texas, and, especially and Jack, with all quick, the retirements. Just, I have a sure, quick sure. point. I'm sorry to end on such a depressing oh, note, but I think it's important that uh, both. Frontrunners Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden ask and receive Secret Service protection. Uh, obviously, we right. saw a protester come within feet of Joe Biden and his wife. And just today, there was a Nazi flag unfurled uh, at a Bernie Sanders event. So I think it's really important in this oh, development to, yeah. uh, to increase protection for the candidates. Yeah, and um, that's definitely a really important issue. It's shocking to see the vegan protesters jump on the stage. That was. Yes. How do they get? How do they get so close? Jill Biden the yeah. protest too. Why would you pick that one? Uh, but I don't know. Anyways, um, gonna anger some people there, Henry. What? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. So we'll um, have much more uh, 2020 election coverage as we, uh, you know, continue our podcast on here. Um, Eliza, thank you so much for coming on today. It was great to have you as a new voice on the pod. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for having yeah. me. This is so great. Great job for your first yeah. time. And um, Thank you. what else? Oh, yeah. Uh, listeners, rate and review our podcast on Apple. Um, I just got my entire bio class to do it. It was great. So, <laughs> nice. so yeah, just click nice. the stars and it helps people find us like search engine. It's much easier. So so definitely do that if you have like spare five seconds on your hands. And um, yeah, we're also looking uh, to um, and I've made some contacts. We're working on a couple interviewer interviews for the first time to come out. We've got um a possible climate change activist who uh, I might be having on the pod soon, pending details and another possible journalist who I might be having on the pod. So just look out for that. That should be really fun when we get those up. But um, yeah, thank you so much for listening and um, have a great day, everybody. Bye.